It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Light on the Road Home, a show about divine love, divine wisdom, and our soul's journey here on Earth. And now, our host, Phyllis Levitt and Deborah Brown. Well, hello, hello. I am Deborah Brown, and I'm very happy to be here today talking with my dear friend, Phyllis Levitt. How are you today, Phyllis? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am wonderful, and I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today because it, it kind of um, continues on from what we talked about last time, which was that all pain is soul calling you home. So before we get into how we're going to move that forward today, um, tell us maybe you know, how you'd like to frame today's conversation because I know you have something in mind, and I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you. Um, well, I just want to start by saying again that everything that I have to share on this program comes from my experience of a divine source that began speaking to me in 1994. So everything that I say comes from that. And um, I thought I would start by just recapping some of the main points that I started with last time in our radio show because they're they're the segue into the rest of what I wanted to talk about today. So should I go ahead with that? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it myself. Okay. Okay, great. So remembering that in our ego state, we tend, in terms of dealing with pain, we tend to deny it or repress it, compensate for it, or project it onto others or blame them. And if we take this new view that pain or our difficulties, our challenges, our blocks are not a sign of failure or something we have to get rid of right away, but that they are exactly what our souls deliberately incarnated to transform. And I just want to repeat that sentence because for me that's really powerful, that our difficulties are exactly what our souls came into body to transform. And if we remember that pain or distress calls us to love and that it is a sign that love is needed and that God and soul light up for us the places where we are most blocked first, where we are most blocked to love first. And if we hold that the pains and the difficulties of our daily life can open the door to our soul and that there is a knowable process of active surrender which helps us embrace those difficulties and make use of them rather than resist them or judge them. Then what might be some of the first steps of this active surrender? So this question took me in many directions as my work with this divine source unfolded. But today, I thought I would just start with a new definition of the term teacher. 
And that's the idea that everything is teacher. So it's kind of paradoxical to say that a teaching was given to me because at the very same time, the teaching that I got is that you are the teacher for yourself. And the teaching that I received is all about how you can understand and access your own inner teacher in a very, very personal way. Um, I thought I would share that um, earlier in my life. I had no concept of teacher beyond kind of the image of a person who knew more than I did or who could give me what I lacked if I was only good enough to receive it. And I saw a spiritual teacher as more or less like any other teacher, but with a different curriculum. And I'm not saying there isn't a place for a true spiritual teacher in the flesh. And I know that many, many people, including myself, have also found value there. Um, But my experience was that I came back again and again to a place where it seemed like no one could take me any further, where I just had to find something in myself that no one else could give me. And I don't know, perhaps all true spiritual teachers and practices help you find that doorway into yourself, but I didn't find it back in those early years of my searching. And I think the main reason why I didn't find it was because I had no way to accept myself as I was. I really thought that I had to be different, a better person, for God to love me and to relieve some of my distress in my life. So I kept on trying to be a better person and please whoever thought I thought knew more than me. Um, back in, I think it was in the 80s, I spent um, a brief amount of time at Swami Muktananda's ashram in New York. And the mantra that was repeated there over and over again was, God dwells within you as you. It sounded so beautiful to me, but I had no way to understand what it meant. I really didn't think that God could possibly look anything like Phyllis Levitt. And I certainly didn't think that God lived in me the way that I was. I thought, well, maybe if I meditated more or I understood yoga better or I was a little more conscious or I could be a better person, well, then maybe God would dwell within me as me. But I really had no idea what that meant. So when this divine source made its presence known to me 10 years later, it actually took me right back to that idea that God dwells inside me exactly as I am. And that the path to God is exactly in who I am now. It took a long time, but over time I was given a much more complete understanding of what that looks like and what it means in practice. So one of the first things I learned is that the food we need for our transformation lies in exactly who we are now, not in some idealized version of ourselves. And this was really, really like a revelation for me. I really thought that I had to tolerate the imperfections of myself or somehow compensate for my flaws and hope that some God out there would love me anyway. I just could not imagine that God dwells within me as I am. Me, I saw myself as this frightened, lonely, little single mother who could barely leave her house. I just couldn't understand it. Um, 
So here I wanted to segue into what the idea of teacher actually meant and or came to mean for me from that place where I started. But I wondered if you had any questions or thoughts that you wanted to bring in right now. Um, I I do, and I'm interested in the fact that um, you felt that no one could take you any further, kept coming up. In other words, yeah. was it the idea that um, you had to be better and and that's why no one could take you further or is it because what your spiritual teachers were teaching or were telling you was just not breaking through? I mean, what, what was the wall? Well, there were probably, there were probably many, so I'm not sure if I could like access them all right now, but certainly one of them was that, you know, most spiritual practices have some kind of meditation or some kind of practice that you do. In some way, mm-hmm. I was in a Gurdjieff group, and that work was called Work on Yourself, and that was a certain kind of inner focus. And in Muktananda's ashram, they taught a certain kind of meditation. Um, I just was not even able to do the practices. I always came back to, and I'm not saying this is true for everybody, this was just really my road that took me um, eventually to my own personal teacher, which was this divine presence that came to me and provided me with a very different way of looking at all of it. But I just wasn't able to do any of that. I tried to meditate. I tried to do the work on oneself that was the Gurdjieff practice, and I just kept coming back to a place of pain and um, fear and confusion and emptiness and a lot of self-judgment, a lot, a lot, a lot of self-judgment. So that's that's what it looked like for me. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you said that um, that the food we need for transformation is, and then tell me again what that was, because that, that struck a chord, but I, I didn't quite absorb it. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's like it, it lies in exactly who we are now. That's, and that's actually what I wanted to, I wanted to tell a story of something that happened to me very early on in, when I was doing this process of writing with a divine source that really illustrates that. Um, well, that's, that's perfect because that's what I was kind of hoping for because I don't, I don't know what that means. So tell us. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe an image just to start with an image of that is, um, you know, if you think of a machine, it needs fuel to run in order for the machine to perform its function or be what it was designed to be and do what it was designed to do, it needs some kind of fuel to power it. Power it, And it needs something to get the ener- release the energy from the fuel to power it. And um, so what I understand is from the way, I, the way I was taught by this divine source, that our ego energy, our personality, our issues, our struggles are the fuel that we can learn how to use to fire up soul consciousness in us. And that's really what the whole, a lot of what this teaching that I received is about from many, many, many different angles. So I'll, I'll give you um, um, the example that I wanted to tell you about mm-hmm. um, that I think is a really good illustration of this. Um, so back at the, in that time, 
in, it was in the mid-90s, I had a friend, and I'm just going to call her Mary. That's not her real name. Um, but she was someone I really, really liked, and I really wanted to have a close friendship with her. But I, more and more, I experienced her as indifferent or kind of rejecting of me. And as a result of that, I started to have kind of unkind thoughts about her. And that would be a good example of coping with pain by projecting it onto the other person. And that's what I was doing. And ordinarily, I would have felt, you know, justified in feeling angry at her or judgmental of her. But because I was having this experience of such a divinely loving presence speaking to me that never, ever implied any judgment toward me, but only um, manifested toward me with profound love, no matter what state I was in, my negativity toward Mary made me feel more and more uncomfortable. So I asked about my relationship with her, and I kind of confessed that I was having unkind thoughts about her, feeling like I'm a bad person and I'm admitting it. Um, And they told me to just be with the truth of what was. The truth was that I felt hurt by her and I had unkind thoughts about her. And just to be with that without judgment of myself. They said that being with what is is the doorway to learning from what is. And that's the experience that Mary brought me that I'm going to talk about as teacher. Being with what is is the way that I learn from what is. So I'm just going to read a few short quotes that came directly from my divine source about this. And this was all in relationship to what I asked about Mary. They said, We tell you to worship yourself. Bow down to yourself. See your teacher as yourself. Love the darkness you find in you as much as you love the light. That was an amazing statement for me. Love the darkness Mm -hmm. as much as you love the light. And that's actually the energy that they brought to me. They loved all of me. There was no judgment of anything in me whatsoever. And they went on to say, your life, exactly as it is, is the path you are on. This is the only path to follow. This is the only path that will take you where your soul is longing to go. Your personal feelings, your difficulties, your challenges, and your greatest talents and gifts are your personal teacher. You need your own particular issues as a roadmap through experience. Everything you experience inside you and outside you is your personal teacher. Bow down to that. Mary is not in your life in this way by accident. Nothing is an accident. Everything you consider an obstacle has something to teach you. So in a way, you could say um, that everything that followed is an answer to the question of how a person can discover how they can listen to and follow their own personal teacher. And that's really what the work that I received is essentially about, and like I said, from many, many different angles. Um, So in response to that, I had to ask myself, if my pain in this relationship is calling me home to soul and God, And if the pain of it contains something that my soul wants me to learn, then what is it? If surrender to what is is the way that I 
learn to give my life energy to my soul, what does my soul want to do with it? Um, and this might be, the next thing I'm going to say might be a topic for a lot of conversation. Um, they began very early on in in their conversations with me to make a distinction between my ego or my personality's perception of everything, including this relationship, and my soul's perception of it. And this is one more quote of what they said. The ego deals with the right and wrong of a relationship and of all things. Soul looks for the meaning of what is occurring with what you came to learn from the experience. The right and wrong of ego's world is very powerful and not to be argued with. It is just to be accepted. In our world, in the world of soul, there is no right or wrong. There is only what is and what you can learn from it. Right now, you're learning that you are in each other's lives in just this way for a reason. So then I had to ask myself, how could I leave the world of right and wrong in my relationship with her because that's the world I was living in. Either she was right and I was wrong or I was right and she was wrong. Um, How could I get beyond judging her as uncaring or myself as unlovable? Um, So I just, this is, and I think this is a really important distinction in, in, understanding what this different idea of teacher is. Um, It wasn't learning like you were selfish and now you have to learn to be selfless or you were mean and now you have to learn to be nice. That wasn't what they were talking about, about learning. It wasn't like something's bad and now you have to make it good. The learning that I was being introduced to didn't have any judgment attached to it. The divine voice that spoke to me never, ever said anything to me like, and I kind of made this up, but this is, is, they never talked to me like this. Shame on you for having unkind thoughts about Mary. Why don't you be a better person? Why don't you take the high road? Or maybe it's your fault. Maybe you deserve to be rejected. That was never, that was never the energy or the message to me. The message was always this. Let's look at where you're blocked, where you, you, Phyllis, are blocked from embracing the light and love of your own soul. Let's just look at that. Where are you blocked from embracing light and love right now in my soul? So when I ask myself that question, rather than how could I be a better person or or what negative thing was I trying to make better about myself, when I looked for what my soul wanted me to see in this relationship that wasn't going the way I wanted it to and not what my personality was judging about it, I had a different question that I was asking myself. And that was, what was my obstacle to the love and light of God shining in me and through me? My obstacle, not hers. And then I, I knew what it was. I knew what it was that this um, experience came to show me. I knew that I wasn't being true to myself, that I needed to stand on my own truth and not doubt myself and not let myself be silenced by her indifference or rejection or by anyone's. And I knew that I was giving myself away 
and not being true to myself because I wanted so much to be loved by other people. And that was really powerful for me, that I was not really having my true voice in my relationships because I was looking for what the other person wanted to hear. Um, so I don't remember now what the what the particular issues actually were with her at that time or what it was that I wasn't saying. But I got really clear that I had been focused on the right and wrong of every relationship for my whole life and on the good and bad of myself and other people. And so I, 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 I asked myself this question, and I, and I asked it over and over again today. Can all these experiences really be sent to me for the purpose of learning something other than right and wrong or good or bad? Could it, be, could it really be, and how could I understand that my soul incarnated into exactly this difficulty and all difficulties for the express purpose of teaching me to be true to myself, to hold on to my truth, and have my voice no matter what. Because not being true to myself was closing the door to God's love in me. So I have lots more to say, but I thought I would take a pause there and see what you wanted to come in with. Um, well, it's interesting where my brain goes, because I'm thinking, okay, so you had the experience of learning from teacher that if you communicate your truth, if you stand in your truth, if you experience and live your truth, then your obstacle, um, I mean, that, that is your obstacle, and uh, the passage is brighter for you if you communicate your truth rather than not. Well, right. What happens to other people? In other words, are they not getting divine source, not necessarily conversations, but doesn't don't don't they have the same um, sense or feeling that that they have to stand in their truth? Or how does this happen? Is it is this an evolution that some people go through sooner that they they figure this out and then they start to try to live within that? Or in other words, is Mary ever going to get that? Or the Marys of the world? Does that, does that right. make sense? I'm trying. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Why aren't we all kind of cluing in that if we stand in our truth, and I know a lot of people who say this, by the way, stand in your truth and you shall be free. Um, So I'm not sure what my question totally is, but it's sparking something like, well, how come everybody's not getting this, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's a huge question, Um, and that, actually goes, my, yeah, I, I always say this, my mind goes in 10 directions when you ask a question because there's so many different avenues of response that I feel like I was shown. Um, but one thing I just want to say is that, and, and any of these topics we can come back to, but I don't know that, I mean, I think we all have our own thing that we came to light up. And for me, it was really having the courage to find my own voice and speak no matter what the consequence might be, good or bad. And I don't know that that is everybody's challenge. I mean, I think we have different challenges. And so that was what was lit up for me. And 
if you look, and that, that might be true for you too, I don't know, but if you were to look into the pain and difficulties that you had in your life, um, you might find something different that was your obstacle to your deepest self being lit up and shining through you. I don't know. Um, what I would say is that, so does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't think that answered your question, but that was just part of what well, I wanted to say does. about it. Well, it actually does. It actually does. Because Mary's thing might not be communicating her truth, and I'm, I don't know this person, of course. But, right. You know, Mary, right. Mary may have been communicating her truth, and it may have been That's right. striking you differently. And because of your own issues within your own self, you were hearing what you needed to hear from her or wanted to hear or felt like hearing, and she was speaking her truth. So that's because that wasn't her thing. Her thing might be right. some other pain that, that you know, she was she's working on another issue, like you just said. That's perfect, actually, right. as an answer, because that right. is right. Okay. That, that sounds exactly right, that I have my own thing to light up. And when you're talking about what, what has been your um, stumbling block, I, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't have that. And that's, fine. that's exactly right. Yeah. I don't have that one. So now yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad I asked it that way because that's exactly the point, is, is my teacher is not going to be that experience. That's right. Because I don't, I don't, and I, I'm glad I asked that, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, one of the many, many, many reasons why I love what I received because there's no one size fits all. And I think so often when people try to learn something, it feels like there's a one size fits all. And if I don't fit into that, then I'm doing it wrong or I'm not going to progress or how come I don't look like you and you don't look like me. And, and that for me was a source of a lot of self-judgment. Because I, I didn't share some of the experiences that people shared in the spiritual groups that I was in. And I always judged myself as a result of that rather than really understanding that I'm going to have a different experience because I'm a different person with a different path. And we all are. Well, here's what I like. I like the idea of thinking that I, I just realized I have my own divine job assignment. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not yours. And it's not that's right. Mary's or anybody else's. I I have my own assignment, and part of my assignment includes um, understanding the difference between my soul conversations and my ego conversations. And that's way your purview. I I can't even, you know, you're you're the one that's going to talk yeah. about that. But yeah. um, but my job assignment, and I think I've mentioned this to you before. I know what I'm here to light up for others. I'm not sure that right. I know what I'm, I'm here to light up for me because my own pain and my own stumbling blocks, uh, sometimes I have them so uh, covered up with, you know, dark cloths. <laughs> I'm not even sure what they are sometimes. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, yeah. So, but I know what my job assignment is in terms of being with others. So I feel like I'm on the right path that way. I just need to kind of at some point relax a little more and, and listen to, and say, okay, I think I hear what you're saying, and and okay, I get it. <laughs> but mm. anyway, you go mm. ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I wanted to just sort of throw in because this will tie into some themes that I would I'm really excited to talk about later, is that maybe part of Mary's assignment was to be that for me. Maybe that's right. part of what her soul actually wanted to be was 
that obstacle that would help me on my path, not in the way that my personality wanted. I wanted her to just like me. But maybe that's not what my soul came here to do. Mm. Does that make sense? And she played that part that I needed. Right. And that's a really different way of looking at the pain of our experience in human relationships, which I, I just think is profound. Like, oh, how did that experience of pain or difficulty or what felt like such a stumbling block and really not what I wanted serve my highest good? Could I look at everything like that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's easy <laughs> by any means. Mm, right. Right, because I'm just now kind of paging back through time over many, you know, four decades of things that were not my favorites in my life. And I'm going, now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that mm-hmm. was put in my, all of that was put on my path to, to move me along. But you know what? I actually do believe that because I've always said, you know, I'm making lemonade out of lemons and, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah. I am the person I am because of the things I've experienced, including, two divorces and some other, you know, challenging things that, that um, right. actually physically made me sick, you know, in terms of, like, my first divorce actually made me sick to the point that I had, right. I was in the hospital for 15 days with um, spinal meningitis. I actually got sick. Um, yeah. So, and that was something else that moved me um now that this is an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not getting you off track too much for where you wanted to go. But no, that okay. spinal that spinal meningitis left me with a hearing deficit, mm. and I need to be able to hear people in order to do what I feel is my work on Earth. I have to be able to hear people. Right. So I have this very interesting struggle obstacle that has been put in my path since I was 26 years old that Mm -hmm. I've had to struggle with because I don't have hearing aids. Eventually I will have hearing aids. But my point is how interesting that all of this, if I start to unravel all of of what I was just talking about, I could write a a book about it because it's really kind of interesting, kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it, there is often for people a physical correspondence to the issue. And I, I've talked about this before where, you know, my issue was really, and, and what came out of that experience with Mary was an understanding of what my life's work was really about, and that was to have my voice. And especially when I was younger, I had sore throats over and over and over again. So I don't, and that's how I would get sick. So I do, I do think there's often a physical correspondence to our to our main issues that we're working with. So that's fascinating mm-hmm. that you say that too. Isn't that fascinating? I am just I'm blown it, away now. I my I'm sorry. I'm totally useless to you for the rest of the time because I'm thinking now. <laughs> <laughs> so you just keep talking and if I feel like answering you I will and if I don't I'll just be still in my mind because I'm like, "Oh my god." Well, do you How want to cool say this? What, what blew you away? Do you want to say well, that? I just, yeah, just the fact that um, I, you know, I just had this, just literally this epiphany about how so much of what has happened to me really did prepare me for what I am doing right now, which I feel like is important work, 
I yeah. told you before that, that I, I shine the light on other people's canvas so they can yeah. paint a picture of their, their own message to change the world, right? And, yeah. And, and how that happened to me and, where, and what all these things have, have happened in my past that were pretty horrible, frankly, um, yeah. made me stronger, made me plow through, made me want to be, you know, where I am right now. Um, in service to other people in the best way possible, not wallowing in all of that. And yet, you know, when I have this awareness, I'm going, oh, my God, a lot of people would have just crumbled up and said, forget it. But right. that was my job right. assignment. That's what I was right put here. And all those other things that were in my way, so to speak, that were put there or that I came upon and were part of the, of the assignment. And right. I think that's pretty, pretty big revelation. Yeah, and I that is definitely true for me. And I talk about that a lot in my first book, The Road Home: A Light in the Darkness. Um, and I continue to talk about that through my subsequent books that I'm writing. Um, that that our greatest pain is our greatest gift. It ends up being our greatest gift. And that's and. In in a nutshell, you might say that everything that I received was how to transform our greatest pain into our greatest gift in a very specific and particular way. And that's not mm. to say that other teachings don't provide that, but um, I think the way that it was taught to me is very different than anything I was ever exposed to. Well, the fact that there's no judgment in it is already um, a different paradigm because most... Yeah. Um, most, well, uh, many religious experiences are going to be laden with um, right. some judgment. judgment. Even though, right. even though God is, you know, God is all loving, there's still the judgment that comes with the trappings of our religious uh, experiences. So, yeah. <laughs> so right. I, I, I like I, the idea, yeah, that there's no judgment from the divine source that spoke to you in terms of making you so comfortable with the ideas that. Right. You know, there's you just move in the divine light. Move in right. move in divine. Yeah. Beautiful. So I'll go on a little bit, um and say that um so I, I kind of said this, that what happened with her opened for me what would prove to be my life's work, which was to stand on my truth and not be silenced, no matter what the outcome. And I have had to face that challenge over and over again in many personal relationships and the most dramatic place where I have had to face that challenge and still do, as you know, is in sharing with other people that I heard a divine voice and I received a divine teaching. That is probably the most challenging thing to me having a divine, uh, a voice in the world that I can even imagine. And, um, but back back in those days, I wanted so desperately to be loved that I allowed myself to be silenced by other people. And um, so this, and I'm kind of reiterating this, but I want to say it again, this one small dynamic with Mary showed me a piece of my own darkness. And so, and that darkness was that I was betraying myself for the sake of some imagined love and acceptance. And so going back to that, what I quoted earlier when they said, love the darkness even as you, much as you love the light in you, 
I got it. I had to love this. This was, this was, I had to love my way through this place in me that was betraying me. Um, And I will honestly say it was very painful to see this. And not only was it painful to see it, it was, it was more, more than painful. It was frightening because to contemplate that I would speak anyway was really scary. But it was also freeing because I suddenly saw that there was a meaning and purpose to all my struggles and there was a direction to follow. Out of all that confusion and hurt, there was a path. I need to have, I need to speak. I need to speak my truth. And it doesn't mean, I'm not trying to say that my truth is the only truth or that's not what this was about. It was just really being true to myself. Other people have their truths and that's fine. Like she had hers. Um, and no, there was no external teacher who could have shown me that. I was blessed to have a divine source that pointed the way for me and told me what question to ask, which was, what does the teacher in my soul want me to see here and transform here? But I had to find that answer. So I would say that I'm hoping that this story is a really clear example of pain calling me home to my soul in my everyday life. Um, In the last radio program, I was talking about pain as being a signal that love is needed. And the love that the pain of Mary's rejection was calling me to came from an understanding of the meaning and purpose of my experience and not the right and wrong of it. And that, to me, was the transformative bridge that in personality or in ego consciousness, I think we're stuck in the right and wrong or the good and bad of ourselves and others and everything going on. But this was really what is the meaning and purpose of my experience and what did it come to teach me? So I began to understand, this was the beginning of me understanding this concept of teacher which is endless opportunity to work through what keeps us from our own light. And, and this goes back to what you brought up. My journey was in having my voice and speaking my truth. Somebody else's might be a very different journey with a very different theme or a very different issue because we are all traveling our own individual paths. Um, So maybe I'll just, I just want to say one last thing. And this is, um, this is a theme that that came up over and over again in my writing. And it's a very, very beautiful symbol. Um, And so this is what it is. They talked about the symbol of a pearl. And what they said is the oyster creates a beautiful pearl from the irritation of a grain of sand that gets inside its shell. And without that grain of sand, there would be no pearl. The sand is an essential part of pearl formation. It's the core. And our pain, our issues, our difficulties, and our challenges are the sand around which our souls came into body to create pearls of divine love and divine wisdom. And we need that sand. And so in that way, Mary's response to me was a gift because it was the sand I needed to start to make the pearls that were mine to make. It was the irritation that I felt in my psyche that opened the door to me seeing where I was stuck. 
and what I had to transform in myself. And to use their words, what my soul incarnated to transform. So that that's what I wanted to say today. Well, I think it's interesting that you um, bring up this, this this pearl formation because that's one of my favorite um, concepts in your book. Um, I just love the idea that everything that is happening that's, that is an irritation, which could, could be called also pain, challenge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. disruption, discontent, um, right. block, you know, all of that. If we all of that. were to ignore, probably we get no pearl. If we get to the point where we brush it aside, we get no pearl. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting, right? So yeah, I guess yeah. what we're saying is we we need to come to a point where we can actually bless our own grains of sand for the pearls that they are actually helping us create. Right. And that that's another way of saying um, that there's no judgment. That irritation serves a divine purpose, if we could see it mm-hmm. that way. So it's mm-hmm. not right or wrong that it's there. It's the fuel for our engine right now. Right. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, let's um, let's tell people how they can experience more of your work. Uh, where your books, you know, the, the status of your 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 second book is in progress. Your first book is out. Um, got a website. Why don't you tell people how they can interact with you? And um, dang, my brain is just going a mile a minute right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. It's well, I hope that's a good thing. It is. It is. It is. You have okay, you have good. definitely um, agitated some of my sand here in a good way. I'm getting pearls. <laughs> okay. Good. 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 Well, um, I have a website and it's www.phyllislevitt.com, and I have three different blogs on the website that you're. Anyone is welcome to read, and um, and you can access my book from the website or from Amazon. And the first book is called The Road Home, A Light in the Darkness. And I'm going to be coming out with a second edition of it later this year, and the second edition is just going to be simply called A Light in the Darkness. And my second book, which picks up where the first book leaves off, is called Into the Fire, and that will also be coming out later this year. So that's and on my website, if you would like to contact me, there's a place that there's a little tab that says contact me, and you're welcome to do that. Okay, why don't we spell phyllislevitt.com for anybody that's not oh, looking sure. at the uh, yeah because there's a yeah special spelling there. Okay, it's P H Y P H Y L L I S, and Levitt is spelled L E A V I T T. Dot com. Perfect. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much. asking. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you so much for being with me and for sharing this story about teacher and your example with Mary is, is very, um, wow, it really got me 
um, understanding more in terms of my own life. And I think that's what's great about your telling your stories is that um, it's not just for you to tell it and walk away. It's for us to say, how does that relate to me and how does right. that help me in my struggles Absolutely. and my on my path? So thank you for lighting the way again <laughs> on my path. Mm. So thank mm. you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I likewise appreciate you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Oh, thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Until next time. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you for joining us for Light on the Road Home, a special production by Deborah Brown and Phyllis Levitt. This show has been a production of the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network. You can find more about the Boomer and the Babe at boomerandthebabe.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.